It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and this is a Temple Ticker episode of the Cultural Hall. Now, you, th- you this may be your first time listening to the Cultural Hall, and you're like, I don't know what a Temple Ticker means. Well, we have the foremost, not called by God, authority about temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He researches them. He Google Earths them. If he could, if he could afford it and it was his job, he would go to every single one of the places that we're talking about so that he could give you a firsthand experience. Uh, It's the Pharaoh himself, Corey K. Ward. Thank you for being here and talking temples with me. I'm flattered to tea. Yeah, I I feel (laughs) like I'm right, though. I mean, outside of those that's like this is their job and or they're called and ordained. I mean, it's you. Yeah, there's a few there's a few people that do that where they try and go visit every temple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a previous guest of the cultural hall, uh, I haven't spoken to him since we had like the big boom in temples. Scott Jarvie goes and and takes pictures of them. He's a photographer. I don't know that he is still doing that with all of the temples because we have so many now. But once upon a time, I think he even released a book, and that's why we talked with them, where it was just beautiful temples all of the temples at that time. But I think that was like when there was, <laughs> when there was like two digits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old days. It's wild for me as I was looking at the notes that you prepare. And by the way, people can check them out in our uh, show notes. Uh, you can also find them where uh, where we post them on our YouTube. Yes, I said YouTube channel where you can see Corey K. Ward's fantastic uh, sweater, but you can read and follow along and click links and go to all the places. And and if you want to try and be the next Pharaoh himself, I mean, good luck is basically what I'm saying, but you can follow all those show notes. Uh, when I was looking and saw that uh, Okinawa, which is where I know you want to start today, is the 186th. I'm excited because that means very soon we're going to make a huge deal out of the 200th temple. Yeah. So um, we just got our 186th temple dedicated in Okinawa, as you said. Um, yeah. Inching closer to 200. Um, uh, yeah. Elder Gary Stevenson was there in Okinawa to dedicate the temple on November 12th. And they emphasized that they had one of the dedicatory sessions in Japanese and then the other one in English for um, primarily the the native membership and the um military membership now now does elder stevenson didn't do it in japanese right he translated no he did he's a very fluent japanese speaker oh i didn't realize that yeah um and they emphasize that he's lived a total of nine years of his life in japan Hmm. uh he said he was two years as a missionary in fukuoka and as well as okinawa okinawa was one of his areas um, then he was three years as a mission president in Nagoya, and then he was four years in the Asia North Area Presidency oh, in wow. Tokyo. So, quite a fluent Japanese speaker, and uh, he's aware of Japanese culture. I think it's cool that we're doing it that way. You remember that general conference four or five years ago where we allowed people to speak in their native tongue, and that was a huge deal, and, and then we stopped doing it because, I don't know. People are like, English, we are an English church speaking. I don't, I don't know why we stopped doing it. I thought it was super cool. You know, I think what happened um, was that they um, did more recordings in that native language. So mm-hmm. if you listen to that, um, that uh, general authority in the, the language that they're, they know, you'll hear their voice um, speaking over themselves. 
So you, or rather than just a generic um, translator, you'll actually hear their own voice. And so I know, I know at least Elder Suarez and Elder Christofferson, they record their message in Spanish and they play that when they're speaking. And so I would not be surprised if other general authorities, that's what they do. Yeah, I think it's cool that we're going the other way, but but I really do. I I miss that one. Maybe was it two, but I think, I think it was, it was two. one. Uh, general conferences where they were like, yeah, here you go. And you could just tell the person felt comfortable and they were speaking in the language that was first for them. And everyone was like, ah, I didn't know what that sounded like. And then we had empathy for the people that had to either have the delayed translation or had to read along. And it felt like we were all part of a big thing. And then the next one, we were like, English, do it in <laughs> English, but cool. Uh, very, very cool. That I think it's probably, it's probably hard to, um, I think sync the subtitles to the speaker in the conference center. I'm sure. So we have billions of dollars. This is a thing we can invest in a little bit of, <laughs> all right? Just a little okay. bit. So that it, it it feels it feels more worldwide when you know uh when we go places and we're able to speak that language and when we have general conference and they're able to speak the language that they're more comfortable in. What is uh what's the looks of the Okinawa temple? Do do we feel like it's in Japan or do we feel like it's transplanted from somewhere else and brought to Jam Japan? No, it's definitely a unique temple design. Um the aesthetics are pretty Japanese. As we talked about, they have the windows there that are like three panes of glass and each different pane has a different um art theme. And so as you like look as the sun shines through that windows, it makes it um it basically looks different on the outside versus the inside, which is a, a very Okinawa tradition. Hmm. So I'd say they did a good job on this one. Good, 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 good. You get it gets the stamp of approval from uh, from the pharaoh. What's interesting about this temple is that out of all the temple districts um, in the world, this is probably the smallest. Um, there's no there's there's no temple right now that only has one stake and one district of military members. And so, yeah, this is a. Definitely a, a different sized temple, maybe a indication of what's to come in the future. But my karate kid too would teach me it's an island. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Everyone on the island, but no one else, basically. Yeah. Um, they said that there's 12 congregations and that about 2,000 people um, are re regularly attending on a given Sunday. So if, a if there's a total of 5,500 members, that's about a 36% activity rate. Hmm. So sometimes you don't always get to see what the activity rate is um, from the church. And so that's an interesting insight. Um, they emphasize that, um, or Elder Stevenson has always emphasized that um, Japan has a culture of temples and that this culture has um, grafted on to the church and the church members. Um, church members have visited temples in Laie and then when it was announced in Tokyo, and then the one in Fukuoka later, and now they have their own one in Okinawa. So that's cool. When we talk about making them available for people so that they don't have to take a really long boat ride, a really expensive plane ride, all of these things. I mean, this is this is the epitome of that. What's interesting, if you remember from General Conference a few years ago, uh, Elder Stevenson talked about when he was serving on Okinawa that um, President Kimball was came to Japan to visit. Mm -hmm. And that many of the members did go to Tokyo to see him, but something happened where the missionaries couldn't go. And so Elder Stevenson was left on the island. Uh, and that was the uh, conference where uh, Elder Kimball or President Kimball announced the Tokyo Temple. And so he mm -hmm. just recounts people coming back to the island. He was very excited about that. So 
And that was the day that he swore when he could make a difference. <laughs> and he took his staff and he grabbed it and drug it across the ground and said, this is how we, where we shall build a house of the Lord. Is that Brigham Young? Is that how they did it in Salt Lake? <laughs> yeah, Ellis Stevenson must have had his Brigham Young moment there in Okinawa. Yes, he said, I'm going to dedicate this temple yeah. one day in 60 years. I swear that <laughs> one day, and it has to be in a voice that doesn't sound naturally his all of the things. Uh, Manti was super cool that we got some news about the Manti Temple. Yeah, the Manti Temple has been closed for about two years. Um, and it will be open for an open house. Um, they'll have a media day on March 11th, where we get to see the inside of the temple. And then there's an open house on March 14th to April 5th, 2024. And then the dedication will go ahead, a rededication on April 21st. And we have not yet heard uh, um, the Minerva Tiger sort of um, wall paintings is not the word I'm looking for. The murals. Uh, we've not yet heard as to what the status or not been able to see yet what the status of all those things are. Right. I mean, they said they preserved them. So um, they didn't release a lot of details, but like this renovation, they've been it's the opposite of the Salt Lake renovation. They haven't released any details of what's going to happen on the inside. And so it will be interesting to see what they did. Yeah, I'm, because I'm I remember there was that that um, controversy when all the people in Manti petitioned the first presidency to keep the murals after they said that they were going to remove them, and then they said, "Okay, well, actually, yeah, we'll keep them, and then we'll also build a temple in Ephraim." Mm -hmm. The Ephraim nearby. temple uh, dedicated or not dedicated, but announced outside of general conference. President Nelson going down to the Garden of Eton. And just took a little, uh, you know, little side detour and was like, yeah, here, let's build a temple here. Yeah, it's the only temple he's ever announced that's outside of general conference. Yeah. It, I, and we do we have, uh, I know that this is not kind of, or maybe it is in conjunction with Mante. Do we have any sort of details about that? I know that they've, it seems like I've seen uh, a partial build of the Ephraim temple. Yeah, definitely it's up, but it's probably still a year, year and a half away from being finished. Mm. Cool. Well, very, very cool. Uh, I'll pick you up on my way when we go down to the Manti Temple. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, cool. We'll just, I'll figure out a day that we can go and I'll just, and we'll get you. Yeah, this is one of those you don't want to miss. Um, uh, with all the open houses happening in Utah, you may think, oh, well, there's plenty of temples. But I mean, this one will be a once in a lifetime. So we'll pick up Spencer Cox on the way as well. <laughs> in Fairfield. <laughs> yeah, in Fairfield. Friend of mine, previous guest of the show. We'll just, I'm, I'm going to get the Pharaoh and then we'll, Jet over and pick up, and we'll let's we'll let Abby come too, his wife, first lady of the state of Utah. Four of us, uh, there will be singing in the car, so I hope that I hope that that's okay. I insist I, on it. Otherwise. I guarantee you, they'll be there at the media day. Of course, ten thousand percent. Of, <laughs> of course. Uh, what about the uh, Kyo mm, Kyoshong Taiwan? Kyoshong. Yeah, um, the they held a groundbreaking for the Kaohsiung Taiwan Temple on um november 25th that thanksgiving weekend but psych in taiwan there's no thanksgiving so just a normal weekend yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> um elder uh, benjamin mz tai he's the area the asia area president um he was able to um, be the presiding authority on that as well as the local mayor came to be part of that so this is the second temple um in the island of taiwan um the other one in Taipei who was dedicated in 1984. So this is quite um, wow. long time ago. Members have traveled, um, took buses up to Taipei for a long time. So um, they have a nice plot of land right in the 
middle of the city. Um, it's a very urbanized, like the buildings all around it are, you know, large buildings and everything, but there's just this one like square of land right in the middle that has this field that's been waiting for a long time and they're going to build a temple there. Interesting. So maybe a look of like uh, the Manhattan temple or. No, it's going to look like the, about the size of the Helena temple. Hmm. Um, and it, it probably won't fit in the urban area, but it is interesting that you just have like these big apartment buildings all around it. And then they're like, and the little temple. <laughs> Basically. I, it, it's interesting to me that in something like that, because the church has built things that look and fit sort of the area that they would decide to, to, to you know, if not put it as part of a taller building or a more city building that they'd just be like, and this here. Definitely distinct, I guess. Yeah, I think just like the Okinawa Temple, it has a nice Chinese design. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Uh, and then the other thing that I noticed that you don't remark about in your notes, the uh, dirt for that temple, because, you know, they bring in the dirt for the groundbreaking. Uh -huh. it, it was like black. It was very dark dirt. I don't know. The picture, I'm like, wait a minute. Because I've seen it before where it's, you can tell it's very like, Oh yeah, you know it, it. This is the softest topsoil that they could possibly find, and they brought it in so that people could shovel it over. But it looks sort of coarse and rocky, and also like almost like road base, as opposed to like this is the <laughs> dirt that I don't know. It, it struck me in the maybe it's, it's like okay. maybe it's volcanic rock. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Definitely. Okay. Uh, well, I I expect you to get a uh, a soil. Uh, <laughs> sampling i want to know you can when you go over there get a scoop and send it to utah state university so they can test your soil and tell you exactly why it is the way that it is those that know that utah state does that get that everyone else is going what is he talking about four wait three locations two locations of temples announced let's talk about them yeah um the toluca mexico temple had a um the, the site was announced um it's a five acre site um on the corner of guadalupe victoria and Urupan, um, and it's actually located in the town of Metepec. Um, and this is interesting because Metepec is a Pueblo Mágico, um, which is a designation that the Mexican government gives to certain um, towns and cities in Mexico. There's about 150 of them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's to recognize uh, some cultural or geographic significance to the area. But the program is really um, kind of a way to attract tourism to these small towns. And so all these small towns want to be Pueblo Magicos because, you know, attract tourists to come. And sure. Metepec has a history. Uh, um, they have a unique architecture. They have a nice Catholic church on this hill that you can climb up and everything. And um, so now they'll have, this is the first temple they'll be in a Pueblo Magico. That's pretty incredible. Are we going to, do you think that we're going to uh, lean into the, hey, come and see this? unique thing in this Pueblo Mexico? Mexico? <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll just see what the design looks like. Well, the, is our site up on a hill too? So we can have a, a city with two hills and it's choosy this day which hill you will hike up? <laughs> no, it's a flat piece of land on a ah. corner next to rich housing development and a tech millennial university. Um, it's a single story temple. It'll be 19,000 square feet. Um, it will be the first temple in the state of Mexico, which is the largest state in Mexico. Um, and then interesting about Toluca is that recently the Tabernacle Choir came to Toluca during the summer and sang in the cathedral. And then Elder Bednar just like a month ago 
or a few weeks ago was there in Toluca. So we had to get the deals uh, finished. Yeah. We got everything. We're going to announce this. Is everything good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. I, I, I thought, uh, when I heard Toluca and saw that it had sort of hit the news a little bit, that it was one of the places where the tabernacle choir sang. So that's cool. Yeah. The other site was the, I think it's called the Jao Pessoa temple, um, in Brazil. Um, this will be a four acre site, um, on a pretty similar busy corner, but, um, this one is adjacent to a river wow. and it's within a few, uh, blocks walking distance of the beach. Okay. And so, um, it's, a, it's called the Cabo Branco neighborhood. Um, and so, um, there's a lot of very tall buildings around there. Um, it's a nice area. Similarly, it will be about a temple of 19,000 square feet. So if you're one of those people, and I know there are, that like to travel to various destinations and make the temple a part of their trip, there are some people who make it the whole of their trip, but you want to make it a part of the trip. Like this, that Brazil temple, once it's constructed, dedicated, and functioning, seems like the place to go, right? You yeah. go down, yeah. it's like the beautiful neighborhood, the beach is a few steps away, save some, you know, some of our ancestry, go back to the beach. <laughs> Continue the work for them, then go back to the beach. Like that's saying that sounds like a pretty great vacation. Yeah, could be. Uh, the one I would maybe put uh, maybe above Brazil. Sorry, Brazilian listeners of the churches, go <laughs> to Spain, to Barcelona, a place I've always wanted to go to, and we have a temple uh, that will be there as well. Yeah. Um, previously, they had announced that um, the temple will be um, where the temple will be built, and now they released a rendering. And this is a two-story temple of twenty. 27,500 square feet. Um, initially, I thought this would be a design that was more like the like the Montpelier Temple or um, the some of the other two-story temples that we've been seeing in Latin America. But mm-hmm. this one is closer to like the Lisbon Portugal Temple or the um, Antofagasta Chile Temple. Um, it's kind of like a, it almost, it's a little bit more like the Feather River Temple, just a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, it has that long kind of design, has a lot of arches on the windows. Um, I think the temple looks, um, they took a lot of Gothic and Moorish themes. Hmm. And so you see that the the arches are kind of pointed. And that's something you see a lot in Gothic churches around Spain and Europe. Um, and you see kind of some, those quatrefoils textured on the walls of the temple, which is, could be um, a little, could be Gothic, but also you see a lot on the, the Moorish kind of Muslim architecture of the area. So, hmm. Well, good. I'm glad that we went in and said, hey, let's make this look like what the area looks like, as opposed to, well, we did one in Helena, right? Can we do that? Can we ship <laughs> one of those down here? Can we put that on a boat? Um, you also see this in um, Barcelona. Um, a lot of people speak Catalan. Mm-hmm. And so um, it says the rendering has holiness of the Lord, house of the Lord, we're in first in Catalan, and then it's Spanish. And so Very cool. If Catalan ever does get its independence, the, the temple will be ready for that. Wow. Wow. Uh, and now uh, it's not necessarily a temple, but we we lump a lot of things into the temple ticker because, well, we can and we get to pick. And when you get your own show, you can make your own rules. But so long as you're listening to our show, you have to follow by our rules. Did your parents ever do that to you? <laughs> yep. Growing up. When you get your own house. Uh, we're going to talk about the visitor center in Nauvoo. Super cool. Yeah, the church um, went before the city council. And they approved the new visitor center. Um, it will be kind of not, I will be in front of where the temple is, but a little bit to the side, closer to where the Catholic church is, kind of in between the temple and the Catholic church. Um, the design is not 100% finished. We'll have to go back to the council when that's done. 
but yeah, they got the approval to um, go ahead and start um, the design process. And they've previously agreed to share the parking lot with the Catholic Church and to make some traffic improvements to the area. Um, the visitor center will have, they said some nice um, kind of like uh, stained glass that has pictures of the savior and everything. And so, yeah. One of the great parts is they're putting in a, a mess of caves that you can make your way uh, underground <laughs> through Nauvoo. You can find your way into um, what they think might be Joseph's tomb that was built. Listen to that episode of the Cultural Hall. And then uh, I, I was listening to, and I can't remember, I wish I could properly credit this, but I was listening to something that, um, allow me a little bit of leniency in what I'm about to talk about, because these are not my words, these were someone else's words, but they were like, they wanted to create an experience in Nauvoo so that people could understand what it was like for the saints. And so, as many people will know, uh, Joseph and Hiram were buried, and then in the middle of the night, they had to be exhumed and then moved. And so this person was like, let's make the entire thing of Nauvoo interactive. And, you you know, some people are trying to to catch the people that are trying to move and the, the you know, Joseph and Hiram and all of these things. And, and, and sure, it's a little like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. But when you think about all of the things that happened in Nauvoo, the idea of a little bit more like interactive sort of set you in the time kind of thing. There was a little part of me that was like, that would be a, a unique experience maybe at, uh, at worst. Um, but maybe like, a you know, just kind of a, I can't believe all this happened sort of experience at best. Yeah. We could recreate the battle of Nauvoo. I'm yeah, see <laughs> way we after Brigham Young left and some of the saints were left behind. There was like people that, that were being, Fired on by cannons and driven out of the city. You, you, you could learn plane. how you could learn how to uh, drain the uh, the 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 Long. land there before um, it was even inhabitable. You know, <laughs> like it. Uh, all, all of the things, and and then uh, I think as part of it, uh, we have to teach everyone the city of Joseph song. Do you know the city of Joseph song? No, I don't. You don't. No. Oh, it. Uh, so uh, as far as I know, it used to be a part of the Nauvoo pageant, um, but it is no longer because the okay. song used to go city of Joseph, city, beautiful city of Joseph, Nauvoo, city of Joseph, city, beautiful city of Joseph, Nauvoo. And then I don't remember the next part of it, but then uh, but then it's interactive between the people singing and the people witnessing and they go, they drained it. They drained it, maintained it, maintained it. And <laughs> it obviously was probably a little bit too devotional towards Joseph Smith. So we went, let's, let's, let's do something else as far as all this goes. But one of my favorite uh, tracks that we've lost within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the city of Joseph. So I'll have to ask my grandparents because they, about 15 years ago, they served a mission in Nabu. Okay. And they're in the Masonic Lodge. They had this little play that they did. Um, for a while and they're like i don't think we can we're not really song and dance people but they did it and they learned the, the lyrics so that's awesome that's incredible yes ask them and find out Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com.
bestdjinutah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a bestdjinutah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at bestdjinutah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's best djinutah.com and I'll give you a little hint it also helps me to be able to do this like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return imagine running a small business today it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must even with that you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients imagine Lennon design whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation advertising media and promotional materials Lennon design is your partner in business they'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Let's move to some controversy, some places that uh, have had uh, a little bit of shine time in the headlines. Uh, Heber Valley. Yeah, there's some simmering coals from the um, controversy in Heber and Cody. Um, there was a, a new loss, amended lawsuit that um, as we talked about that, that dark skies group um, was pursuing um, they're accusing the County of breaking some of the open records requests and not giving them the information they need for their lawsuit. And so they said there might be a, an effort to gather signatures to create a referendum to see if they can put the temple's approval on the ballot. So, which if you did not listen to episode, I think it's seven forty of the cultural hall. We talked with one of the, uh, council or not he's not one of the council members he's like the city planner he's this i don't know episode 740 uh go watch or, or listen to that because this guy talks all about that um the process why it is that it got approved blah, 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 blah. but i know several people have really appreciated that and i think he makes mention to the fact that there could be a referendum that would put it on the ballot yeah pretty similar in cody um actually really similar is that there's basically the party that's um, trying to prevent the temple from being built said that um, they're trying to add evidence. They already kind of gathered the evidence phase. And, you know, once you're in a court of law, you basically add all the evidence and then you say, okay, we're all done with that. We're going to now consider it on the merits. Um, but basically some evidence came in late because there was a public record request that was 72 days overdue. And so they're saying, hey, we should be able to add this to the evidence. But they're kind of saying, well, we already, we're already done with that. And so uh, we'll have to see what goes on with that. Yeah, it's like 4,000 records. The headline of the Cody uh, Journal or Cody Herald or whatever. It's like the LDS Church doesn't want 4,000 records to be allowed into the case. So it's probably what's more accurate is that the lawyer for the church doesn't want this because the lawyer is trying to basically you know win the case and so you don't want more evidence against you sure yeah but they may if as i understand it, though they made the request 
72 days or you know more than 72 days ago right and then they're yeah. like hey get this and they're like eh, we'll get it's coming it's coming we'll get it to you okay here it is and now it 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 feels like it's too late yeah you, with this court of law stuff you have to realize that the lawyers have a duty to argue everything that they can for mm-hmm. their client and so that's just you know what their argument is and the judge will consider whether it has merits uh austin the uh, groundbreaking of the austin temple Question mark, um, because a local uh, media source says that the temple will start in mid-2024, maybe June, and that it'll take about two years um, to be constructed. And so the church has not said when there'll be a groundbreaking for mm. this temple, but well, if this journalist is correct, it will be in June of next year. So the very thing that people come to the temple ticker for, which is reading between the lines and reading the local press, Corey K. Ward is now telling you, maybe, June-ish for the Austin Temple. See, that's that's what we come here for, sir. That's what we come here for. Uh, how about uh, Orem? This, the Orem, Utah Temple, uh, the uh, open house ongoing right now. Have you gone? I have, and I'll, I can offer my review if you want. Please. <laughs> Um, so I think they did a good job of, um, funneling people in and out for this, this temple, um, versus the Saratoga Springs temple, the Saratoga Springs temple, they brought you to the church, they made you watch a video and then you could go to the temple. Um, but this one, they, I think they assumed that most people had either recently gone to that open house Mm -hmm. or were members of the church. And so they decided to, we're not going to have them watch the open house video, um, and here's a some QR codes if you're interested. But oh, cool. Okay. So it is a lot more in and out. Um, however, unlike Sacred Springs, the parking lot of the temple is, I guess, not big enough to accommodate everyone that wants to come, especially on a weekend. And so there's basically four different churches around the Orm area where you come, and you just hop on a shuttle, and they'll bring you over. Um, the one that's the closest that I think most use is the one next to the YSA Stake Center. That's next to the Front Runner Station. Um, that's where I was. The shuttles come like every five minutes or two minutes or whatever. It's pretty easy to get um, in and out of the temple. Um, yeah, and the temple is, is, of course, a little bit smaller than Saratoga Springs. It takes a little bit shorter time to go around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked it. Great, great, unique artwork. Anything uh, from the inside that you went, oh, I, I didn't expect a yellow this, uh, orange <laughs> that, uh, 10 of those things or what, you know, whatever. Um, I don't, I wasn't too surprised about what I've already seen on the photographs. Um mm. But I, I mean, I do really like the art, the the stained glass that's in there. Um, all the, as we talked about, the the Utah Lake Baptistry with the uh, windows and the the birds there. And then all through the temple, there's those cherry tree windows. So, yeah. Do they make any remarks in the tour about the fire? No. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, unlike Saratoga Springs, where they, this is actually another thing. I mean, Saratoga Springs, they had someone stationed in each of the major rooms to kind of give an explanation and they just kind of repeated themselves mm-hmm. as people went through. Um, there was no one that repeated themselves as you're going through. So if, if you wanted to ask a question, you could ask someone, but I think um, the open house people considering that it's Utah, I think that if you're a non-member that's unfamiliar with the temple, I think that you're most likely to be with someone that will be there explaining things as you walk through. Mm. And so it's a lot, I think it's a lot um, better way of just um, you know, having an basically be open um, to how you want to tour the temple. And if, if I assume that if you have a friend with you, that they'll explain things to you as you go through. So 
Yeah, when we uh, when my wife and I went to the uh, Helena Temple, uh, you know, walkthrough, uh, I remember we, so you went to the stake center first and that's where you watch the video and then you walk across the parking lot and then you're able to go through the thing. And I remember, uh, you know, there's a dozen of us in the room and it's very clear that all of us are members of the church, except for my wife. And though I'm sure everyone assumed that she was as well, but there's like this, this thing where we're sitting and watching and we're like, we, you know, we're sort of looking around the room and we're like, we all, we all know this, right? Like, could we, have, <laughs> could we have been given the option of like, we aren't a member, we are a member, let's get to this, let's, you know, that kind of thing. But then uh, part of the film, and I can't remember what it is, but there's there's sort of that part like what we used to do on Temple Square at Christmas, where it's like, and so if you know anyone who's not a member of the church, and, and then you sort of look around the room and it's weighted and it's like... Babe, I'm not going to tell him. Don't worry. We're good. We'll just go through the <laughs> temple. But uh, I mean, I get why we do it, but it's definitely a thing. I just was like, well, I don't know. Just let me let me through. Let me through. Uh, St. George now on, on its way to uh, being rededicated. We're in the cleaning part right now. Yeah, the open house concluded. Um, six, 670,000 people attended this temple. Jeez. Open house. Jeez. Considering the, the population of the St. George area is only 200,000. A lot of people came in to see this temple, um, including on the last day, a centenarian couple came in. Um, he's 102. She's or she's 101. And it had been sealed 80 years ago in 1943. Um, they still have their certificate of that. Um, I mean, this is the same age as my like, great grandparents that passed away 10 years ago. Um, so it's pretty uh, amazing that they got to go back to the temple. Yeah, so so cool. And, the, you know, you get to see the pictures of them and they are every bit uh, sweet as two centenarians who've been, you know, sealed in the temple 80 years ago who get to go, you know, like it is, it is the, it is so great. And it is the epitome of like one of those feel good, we love this temple coming back kind of stories. It was, it was fun to to read. And you can read that obviously in the show notes. Yeah, if you're more interested about the history of the temple, there's a this church news put out a podcast with a church historian called the Legacy of the St. George Temple. Um, a few things I learned is that the temple was only completed in six years. Um, they were able to work during the winter, unlike in Salt Lake, where they had to kind of take a break when it was super cold. Um, and the temple was dedicated in phases so that when they completed the baptistry, they could start baptisms. When they completed the endowment rooms, they could start endowments. And so the dedication kind of took part over six years because different apostles dedicated different parts of the temple. Interesting. Did they dedicate the uh, essentially hotel rooms as well, or did we not do that? I thought that was the most fascinating thing about the <laughs> temple when I went through. The reason why there's so many ceiling rooms and most of them are super small is because the saints would be like, listen, I came down here. I need a place to stay. Stay in the temple. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 But yeah, they just kind of used it as it was being finished. And so, um, yeah, we rededicated on December 10th. And so cool to see Elder Holland uh, and his health rally. To where he's going to do it. I know so many people probably praying for him to have the opportunity to do that. His health a little bit rough, but I can't remember where we last sort of saw Elder Holland. He made a public a thing. Uh, it wasn't general conference that we were like, oh, his health is rallied. Yeah, he spoke at the funeral of M. Russell Bellard. That's what it was. Um, and people were like, his... whoa, Elder Holland, he's healthy, he's great. <laughs> yeah, and um, not only that, he said that when he was in the hospital for five weeks, Three of those weeks were when he was unconscious and kind of on the death door is what he said. And so he said the elder Ballard was, um, he always called the hospital to see how he was doing and everything. And so, mm. um, 
now and of course now he's president holland he's back to being president holland yeah yeah president from the 12th so they're just announced that he will be at that education cool very cool and that's the 10th of december so coming up here pretty quick uh we've got uh, a few more minutes and a lot of stuff to get through let's do it well you may be uh interested to know about you know president nelson has emphasized that different apostles um should be dedicating temples rather than him doing all of them kind of like president hinckley did um and this will be the actually uh president holland has never dedicated the temple he's cool. rededicated the memphis temple but this will be the second rededication that he's done um if you just look at the stats um president nelson has, has dedicated three and rededicated three same with uh oaks who's rededicated uh two and dedicated three um ballard um he got to dedicate the Pocatello Temple, and then he had three rededications. Um, I ring when he was uh, most of this is when he was in the first presidency with President Monson. He dedicated eight temples and rededicated eight. Mm. And then Uchtdorf dedicated eleven and yes. has rededicated three. Wow! So far, Elder Bednar has done four dedications. Elder Cook, uh, two dedications, one de- rededication. Christofferson, two dedications and one rededication, and then Anderson, three dedication. Razban two, Stevenson three, Renlin two, Elder Gong has rededicated the um the Hong Kong temple, and then he's had one rededication, and then Elder Suarez has done three. So as you can see, about like as they've gone around the twelve and had everyone dedicate, that's about what they're at right now. I wonder if it's like that. You know, when we talk about like mission service, and it's like they all get in a room and they pray about each name. That's how we sort of envision this in our mind. Uh, or at least that's how it did when I got my call. Like, I feel like now they're probably like, listen, who's going to be around this area? We've got, you're going over here. Can you, and it's your, it's your turn. Do you have any connection? You don't do anyone have a connection to this? Okay. You're doing it elder. So-and-so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I hope that's hopefully they plan their visit around the dedication. Not just we'll do it on our way. Yeah. Okay. Or they, or they, pl- they get assigned and then they, they plan the things around it. Either way. I, and, doesn't have to be as uh designated and specific as i sometimes think we think it is uh it's the season for christmas lights so we can get through some of the places that have christmas lights people can go make a destination to go see yeah um temples that will have big light displays are the hamilton new zealand temple uh there's also the philippines temple that had a big lighting ceremony this past few weeks um oakland california they're going to have um a lot of events at their stakes in right there they call it i can't remember what they call it but they basically call the area temple hill and so they're gonna have concerts and everything um they're going on um in mesa they have um christmas lights um and a 200 nativity displays yes. at the visitor center um and then washington dc uh elder renland was there recently with the someone from the uh, embassy of the Philippines to uh, basically participate in the lighting event there at the visitor center. It seems like this is a tradition now where they have an apostle and some sort of um, ambassador type person come and do this event. So it's kind of a yearly tradition. And then of course there's Temple Square in Salt Lake City. Um, uh, and in the show notes, you can see it because it's not like how it used to be. And the and the the article as I read it, did you read it uh, and and see it to assume that it will never go back to how it was? never what do you mean (laughs) yeah yeah i I mean obviously well so they're renovating temple square so obviously it's not going to look like how it used to so that's not what i'm talking about but you can remember 20 years ago when there were 
you know, we would say there's like 5 million lights or something crazy. And then people were like, this isn't that healthy for the trees. So we sort of pared it back a little bit. And then um, as I read that article, it's like it, it will never be anything near that ever again. Okay. That's, that's yeah, how I, think... I read it. I wondered if you read the article that, <laughs> that same way or if you were like, nah, we just don't want to deal anything with it until we get everything else set and then we'll go back to it. I think I, we'll see what happens when it comes, I guess. Yeah. Um, from from the pictures I see that they, um, so one area is by the conference center. They have a lot of like those artificial trees that are just have, they're lit. Um, also by in between the church history or the church history museum and the family history library, they have a really cool like um, snowflakes that are projected onto the, the ground. So that's a, um, a place you can go. And then the the new area where they just completed that's um, just south of the church office building. That will be a new area where you can go and see whatever displays they have. Mother, tell me the story about how this grand used to flood into the parking area. All right, sit down. <laughs> I will tell you. Because in the year 2020, they stopped it and were able to make it so it didn't leak anymore. Uh, this was cool. The uh, four temples are on the 20 most peaceful tourist places in the United States. Yeah. Um, number four was Idaho Falls. Number 11, Oakland. Number 13, St. George, and number 16, Mesa. And so um, they said that they could, had a national survey, but what really they did is they went to TripAdvisor and they looked at all the reviews and they said, how many of these reviews say the word peaceful in it? Ah. And they counted those up and ranked them and they found that four temples are on the top 20 list. Uh, a question that you aren't prepared for because I doubt it has anything to do with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Do you know what the number one one was? Um, I can look it up. I don't know if you have it pulled up. But... Uh, I, I can pull that up as you're telling us about a recommendation. Well, actually, I have it right here. Um, oh. It's the National Shrine of Our Lady at Leche at Mission Nombre de Dios in St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. Okay. So, uh, But now I'd like you to talk to us about a recommendation. Yeah, there's a great new podcast that's been out for a few months called angels and seer stones um i think two get previous guests of the cultural hall christopher blythe and christine blythe um they had an episode this past month about um jesus appearing in the temple and so it's a temple about folklore and about kind of the stories that we tell ourselves um they're not out to debunk any of these stories they're just kind of um, trying to explain like where are these stories coming from um, what context are they in and what do they tell us about ourselves as a people and so they had an interesting um, story. Um, uh, they had some stories about people having, you know, those phone calls where the temple president tells them that someone was here tonight late in the temple and stuff like that. Mm. So very interesting. A uh, small bone to pick with previous guests of the Cultural Hall, the Blythes. I asked them <laughs> to come and do sort of a urban myth uh, thing, you know, a folklore within the church episode, specifically Christine. <laughs> and uh, and I, they sort of put me off a little bit. And then they started doing the angels and seer stones. And I was like, listen, so if I had that idea or they, you know, mo most likely had that idea years and years before, I just wanted to have one where it's like, let's just talk about a few of them. And then that podcast came out and it's great. They do a great job. It's not to disparage them at all. But I am a little bit like, hey. We talked about this years ago. I just wanted to have one episode where you came on and said, <laughs> we thought this, and now you've got this whole thing. And of course, people will listen to where we can dedicate a whole episode to these different things. Fine. Fine, Blythe. It's fine. I'm sure they would 
up to be uh, guests again because they want yeah. to promote their podcast. I, I hope so. I'm going to hit them up again <laughs> and say that you thought um, that they would want to. I should also tell you this because all the stories I just copy and paste in the show notes. Uh, you have that podcast called Angles and Sear Stones. Oh, no. <laughs> if, if you want to make sure and change that before I copy and paste it so that everyone can find that uh, podcast. And then the last thing, you have a little extra as we wrap out the temple ticker. Yeah, um, a little bit non-temple, temple adjacent. Um, the the church, the First Presidency recently um, approved changes to how church units are created. So um, basically... For any new stakes that are being um, created around the world, they'll have a kind of new requirement. Um, and that is that they should have, um, basically, uh, the U.S. and Canada used to have, or U.S. and Canada and then other countries used to have different requirements. Um, and now those are eliminated. Now they are all around the world. Every church unit will have the same requirements. Hmm. So um, previously in the United States and Canada, you'd have 3,000 members, total members to have a stake. Now you only need 2,000. Hmm. Um, before you had to have 180 active um, Lakasa priesthood holders. Now you only need 150. But in other countries, it was 120. So you're kind of bringing up the rest of the world um, hmm. to the standard and you're now bringing down the U.S. and Canada down to the standard. And so um, also in a ward, you need at least um, basically 20 active members. Melchizedek holders and a total of um, let's see, a total of 100, 250 members, and then hmm. one, about one hundred of those adults need to be active. There's also new recommendations about how many youth should be in each ward. Um, so this will be just interesting in the long run to see um, what happens if maybe church uh, the unit growth will slow in the rest of the world because they have to reach up to these standards. Sure. Or and then if um, in the US of Canada, if there'll be more stakes created, more branches events towards um we'll just see about that so i mean this kind of um i think affects um temple building because as you see the number of church units in an area the number of stakes kind of is one of those metrics that are looked at so we'll just see in the long run how this will change i wonder if it'll affect my stake it's interesting because the the way that like the stake boundaries are for my particular stake i live in the west side of the salt lake valley like uh -huh. it sort of makes sense but the way that the wards are divided within our stake it's like and we'll grab a little over here and then we're going to have this part over here whereas there's a very like distinct geographical boundary that could be drawn that would be like yeah okay so then i'm in the in the ward with my neighbors over there great that would seem to make geographical sense to me, but, but the way that it's divided now, it's like, and we'll go over here, but, but, and this is a discussion for a different time because we're wrapping this thing out, but it's fascinating. So they did like a, a change in my particular ward because I guess some, some things changed, you know, 20, 25 years ago that they needed to, or they had to, or they chose to, or whatever. And speaking to various members of the leadership now who were the, in the ward and or stake at that time, there were like, there are several people that never came back to church. Yeah. That certainly happens when there's a, any type of reshuffle. Um, I know that I've listened to this, um, some evangelicals on a podcast talk about whenever you have a, a change in habits of church meeting of like when you meet or where you meet or who you meet with, mm -hmm. um, it's just easy to go between the cracks and to not come back. And so, that's certainly a consideration that leaders should have. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're done. It's a temple ticker. You can find it every once in a while where we uh, share only uh, the news. Well, I say that and then I look at all the stuff that we talked about. It's mostly the news of the temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself. Thank you so much uh, for all the research that you do. Tell people again uh, the uh, thing that you do on Facebook where people can check it out and we'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's called Latter-day Saint Temples Around the World Daily. Um, if you want to see what the church looks like around the world, um, go there and you can uh, follow and you do that not every day, but every week, every day. Oh, you do it seven days a week. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were only five or seven. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. And, and that if funnily enough of all of the responses that I've gotten to the temple ticker, that's the thing that people ask the most about. They're like, sure. Okay. Temples and places. Sure. What's the Facebook page that he does? (laughs) <laughs> really okay yeah so uh that's exciting that people are following finding and following that uh cory we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body we hope that if you're able to listen this week that you'll be able to listen next week or whenever you do this and uh that when the time comes you will be able to travel home in safety in the meantime chris at alpine lakes travel rick mcgee debbie wanless and chocolate cake bites podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the, the cultural, cultural hall, hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.